better listen, my brother, cause if you do, you can hear, there are voices still calling from across the years, and they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they will until we all come to understand, none of us are free, none of us are free. folks welcome welcome this is the labor radio podcast network's live stream or first since our special election coverage last month i'm chris garlic from union city radio with me mimi rosenberg from building bridges mimi so good to have you here oh it's entirely my pleasure and honor Okay. Uh, my show is based out of Washington, D.C., and uh, Mimi's is out of the Big Apple. Um, and we've got a great show lined up for you. Uh, first up, we're going to have Deborah Berger from National Nurses United. And right now in this country, it is all about the pandemic. And who better to talk about that uh, than the, one of the co-presidents of National Nurses United? Uh, Mimi, I'm going to turn things over to you. Well, I'm delighted to have my sister. We both decided to wear red to reclaim the color from you know who. Uh -huh. And I am delighted to have Deborah Berger, who's co-president indeed of National Nurses United and president of the California Nurses Association, which helped found the NNU, which I must say is a union that has doubled in size uh, in the past seven years, representing more than 57,000 RNs in 164 different facilities across California. And I have to say that uh, what is ringing in my ears still as I speak to the uh, heroic Deborah Berger, are the pots and pans that were clanging and banging in the spring months as the society got out there and appreciated and understood what our frontline workers, the healthcare professionals, were giving of themselves in the midst of this terrifying pandemic. However, as I think about that, Deborah, I am reminded of registered nurse Sandra Oldfield. Sandra died of COVID-19 in May. And since March, she and her fellow nurses had been sounding the pandemic alarm about conditions, dangerous position conditions at the uh, Kaiser Permanente Fresno Medical Center the California hospital where she had worked for nearly 20 years. Healthcare workers are organizing now like their lives depend on it. So let's begin our discussion with an ode really to Sandra Oldfield, but how do we go from the pots and pans and clanging acknowledgements of our sheroes and heroes, the healthcare workers, the nurses, to the death of Sandra Oldfield. Where are we at now, particularly with this spike in the pandemic 
and uh, as workers, how do you how do you understand that dichotomy? You're muted. There we go. That's a perfect question, Mimi. Um, just minutes ago, the New York Times put out a breaking news release that over 100,000 patients are in U.S. hospitals as of now. Uh, uh. And that's nearly double the peak from the first wave uh, in the spring. And yet nurses are miraculously showing up to work they've committed themselves to make sure that patients get what they need nurses have been out in the streets protesting and crazy as it may seem nurses have been out on strike nurses have uh, withheld their labor to make sure that the patients are taken care of that they have protections and that their communities are safe and um, my hat is off to all of the nurses in this country and the healthcare workers as well who have really sacrificed the safety of their own homes and their own families to get through this pandemic and give people the care that they need on one hand. And then on the other hand, uh, seeing uh, public health officials begging people to stay home, begging people not to travel, begging people to do the right thing and seeing the airports filled with travelers. And so there's a disconnect and um, it's really uh, heartbreaking when you're giving your all and um, people can't help. So. If, if we That's can, perfect. let's just parse this out a bit, because I want to look at what's happening with the actual employers and what, uh, you know, what they've obfuscated in terms of PPE shortages and the like, and then the role of government turning to what should have been in full swing, the Defense Protection Act. But let's first look at how we are to understand the role of the private hospitals uh, etc. In again, relationship to, I mean, we know there have been historic problems with staff ratios and there have been numerous whistleblower protections that your union has uh, really pioneered, if you will, in. But how do we understand that uh, dichotomy? What's happening with those hospitals? What's happening with the federal government? Well, you know that there is plenty of blame to go all around. And uh, we'll talk about the government, and right now I'll focus on the employer because um, they had a huge part to play in this because um, they borrowed from uh, the, the uh, production industry by doing just-in-time uh, supply side, and so when they didn't have the stockpiles that they needed, they kept saying, oh, we're covered, we've got it all good, but they failed to recognize the scope and breadth of this pandemic. And they allowed themselves to uh, get lulled into uh, not providing enough safety equipment at the 
one side of trying to make money. They wanted to make sure that they could, during this whole time, turn a profit. And the people that suffered from that are, of course, our patients and all healthcare workers. So it's really extremely frustrating because the employers are trying to be the victim in all of this. We, we're helpless. We couldn't have done anything. But as nurses, we dealt with SARS. We dealt with H1N1. We dealt with Ebola. We came up with legislation and plans to deal with making sure we had stockpiles and both our employers and the federal government ignored this. And where they did have stockpiles, it was nobody's job to figure out when these supplies expired, which is extremely frustrating because we end up spending twice for it, right? First buy it, then it's expired, we have to buy new. So it's really uh, frustrating to be back here as a nurse uh, that knows what needs to be done and have to deal with employers and the federal government who um, can't work themselves out of a paper bag. Let me just, if I may, because I'm not sure that people really get this and why should they necessarily, because it's not out there in the public. But Deborah Berger, you're talking about hospitals turning a profit? <laughs> what do you mean? Where's the profit in the midst of this terrifying pandemic when you think that, what are we talking about? PPEs, we're talking about gowns, we're talking about gloves, we're talking about masks. How could that possibly be an issue for these hospitals? But where are they turning the profit? What does that really mean? Well, uh, our, our federal government in trying to make sure everybody had access to healthcare and treatment during this pandemic gave away billions of dollars to uh, primary and secondary and rural hospitals to make sure that there was treatment available. But it still left them in charge of deciding how much to charge. And when you have deep pockets like the federal government is, and you have insurance companies that have deep pockets, you still um, can make a profit. There are many corporations like Sutter, the Dignity, um, HCA, Tenant, all of those major chains have made profit during this pandemic. And I think, and many nurses in our organization would uh, agree that it is at this point immoral for that to be happening. Now, it's just the other day, uh, you said you haven't uh, missed a cue when it comes to organizing, which is quite remarkable and is certainly a bright spot in the midst uh, of all of this. I want you to talk a little bit about some of the, the virtual press conference you had and some of the specific demands now nurses, healthcare workers as workers are making in relationship to this terrifying spike, this surge in COVID-19? Well, what is really astonishing and uh, heartwarming is that nurses know that they need protections in order to speak out. Even before COVID happened, nurses understood that they are 
morally and legally required to speak up on behalf of patients. And the only way nurses can do that is if they have unions and union rights to protect them when they speak out. During this pandemic, it has been even more important for nurses to have a, a process and a mechanism and a union that will defend them and protect them during this pandemic. And the nurses in North Carolina were so courageous. Their campaign actually started before the pandemic. That was in Asheville, right? Yes. And little did they know that during that pandemic, their ability to speak out on behalf of their patients to secure personal protective equipment was even more important. So um, my hat is off to those nurses because it is the first union in North Carolina in decades. And it is a nurses union and hopefully there will be more unions to come. But um, that is what has been key in um, making sure that nurses have a free voice. In fact, there's been research done that proves that unionized facilities have better outcomes for uh, heart attacks when um, those nurses are able to uh, be able to speak out. Well, as our time races ahead, I want to make sure that we get in. I want you to talk about, and, and I'll just list them seriatim so we don't forget it, uh, we can pace ourselves from the Defense Protect, uh, Production Act to the issue of the HEROES Act and the stimulus, which is being held up and what that means for our healthcare workers. And then of course, wait a minute, what do we really need? What's gonna protect a society? Am I going with universal healthcare, Medicare for all? Your positions, Deborah Berger. So there, thank you. And they're all intertwined when you actually start thinking about it. There is no way in a for-profit medical system where uh, there's always room to make more money and still get patients treated properly. And right now we have a stellar example of nurses 11 months into this pandemic still fighting to get protections to take care of patients. We have in um, the several stimulus packages put the HEROES Act in place in order to get um, the personal protective gear. And when we use the Defense Production Act, which is a way to mandate corporations to produce materials that we need, it was a wartime act, but it, as, it can be used for emergencies. If we use the Defense Production Act, we would be able to produce in the United States all of the PPE we need, and we wouldn't be drawing on the global supply of PPE and putting countries that can't afford to bid against us at risk. So it makes sense that we have the Defense Production Act and if we had Medicare for all, there would be people that would go to see the doctors sooner so that they're not spreading the COVID around in their communities. If we had Medicare for all, we would make sure that 
patients would not fear coming to the hospital because they know that a trip to the hospital and then the ICU is going to put their families' lives at risk. So it's all intertwined and nurses are really good at seeing the holistic picture. And so uh, the Defense Production Act, Medicare for All, um, the HEROES Act, all of those things are ways that nurses can see that would uh, greatly improve the quality of life in the United States. So thank you for those questions. Well, you know, you said a magic word, you said holistic. And I happen to have some small relationship to a program called Building Bridges. And it does just that. It's about labor and community relations, which I think are, uh, the intersectionality is imperative. It's imperative for building the union movement. It's imperative, certainly, for the uh, community sector. And of course, as workers, we live in communities and we have a holistic identity. And I want to just talk about, because I think it's so important, the special kind of philosophy that your union, National Nurses United, has that is holistic and brings it together and looks at the totality of the human being in order to advance and organize us as as workers and to deal with fundamental issues such as the in, in the distribution of wealth the tremendous disparities and our lives as uh, women our lives as people of color etc so the philosophy behind your union which i think should be an inspiration and for all of us as we continue to organize the working class. Well, you we're, actually, we're actually reclaiming a role that nurses played a vital component in uh, since this country was founded. Nurses were involved in the tenement resettlements. They were involved in child labor laws. They were involved in community home visits. They were involved in social justice issues from the very beginning. What happened uh, with industrialization is that nurses were put into hospitals to provide care where they could make money for people. And so they were told, stay in your lane, just go to the hospital, do your work there. And our union said, no, we've always been a vital component of the community. We've always talked about what's right for children, what's right for uh, social justice issues, what's right for uh, making sure everybody has access to healthcare. And so we've reclaimed that and said, no, we, our lanes are our community and we will stay in those lanes and make sure that our patients in our communities have what they need to have a healthy, safe and productive life. And I would be remiss if I didn't just stand quickly by saying, ah, what do we all do to support our fellow nurses? What do you need from the community and let's build that labor community alliance? Well, we are working to make sure that we do get the HEROES Act passed because that has a huge component of uh, making sure that there is transparency in the distribution of personal protective equipment. 
However, the biggest thing that we still want to make sure that we get through is Medicare for all. And although President-elect Biden has said that it is something that he's not on his radar, the issue was that uh, neither was the public option on his radar. And we can move him if we all work together as nurses and other unions to make sure that that happens. Deborah Berger, co-president of National Nurses United, with your fervor, your energy, and your 57,000 RNs in the California Nurses Association, we're going to do just that. We're going to do some moving and shaking. We're reclaiming the red, right? And uh, thank, thank you, you thank so you, much. Thank you. And uh, again, we've been speaking with Deborah Berger, co-president of National Nurses United, and uh, really a groundbreaking patient advocacy union and who has uh, dealt with the staffing ratios, whistleblower protections. Thank you for showing the way and for all thank the work you, so you do. Thanks so much, Deborah. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work, all right? Have a great evening. You too. Take care. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear their voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they will until we all come to understand. None of us are free, none of us are free.